Hello and welcome to History with Jackson. Hi guys, we are back today with another episode of the English and British Monarch series. But today we are back with a special guest. We are here today with Deb from All Things Tudor. How are you doing, Deb? I'm doing great, Jackson. How are you today? I'm doing really well, thank you. And I, I must say, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here on the English and British Monarch series. And I'm really looking forward to talking about Edward VI with you. Well, likewise, and thank you very much for inviting me to be here. No, I look forward to working with you. No worries at all. And if you guys don't know, we'll talk about it a little bit later. But Deb has an absolutely fantastic platform called All About Tudor. And I'm really excited to talk about one of my least known about, I, yeah, that makes sense, least known about kings, Edward VI. So Deb, can you tell us who Edward VI was? Edward VI was the long-awaited for son of King Henry VIII by his third wife, Jane Seymour. Okay, awesome. So if he's, if he's this long-awaited son, how how did how excited and happy was Henry VIII about having having Edward? It's what he had waited for. He had um, divorced one wife and changed the world, and then had the next wife beheaded because he did not have a son and heir. So I think it's safe to say he was probably overjoyed. <laughs> and you could <laughs> you could definitely see that from his record, can't you? Yeah. exactly <laughs> now edward the sixth you know he's a he's a fascinating character but where where was where was edward born he was born at hampton court palace okay awesome and, and all of you guys know hampton court palace is an absolutely fantastic gorgeous gorgeous building now edward's this this son you know the heir of henry the eighth henry the eighth is a massive presence he's a huge man now in comparison to Henry VIII, what did what did Edward look like? I cannot find anything that says how tall he was. Of course, he was very young when he became king, but in portraits, they have made him out to be a small Henry, but he looks like his mother. He has the, the pale skin, more the Seymour features than the Tudor features. So again, I can't find how tall he was, but he was a child, so he couldn't have been very large. He was probably waiting that long-awaited 15 or 16 growth spurt that most men have. So <laughs> probably quite hard to tell. Yeah. And that iconography that exactly. you mentioned as well is quite quite interesting that he he was pictured like Henry, but looked like his mother. And that was probably a very interesting thing for painters to kind of depict. Now we've looked at Edward physically but what was he like as a as a person he was very detailed he literally kept a diary of his own events not only things that happened um in court but things that happened to him uh, just to be so young it's interesting how he was so analytical about things I, I found that very interesting. And that's a, that's a trait that we don't often see um, 
in the reign of his of his father and it's it's definitely a trait that maybe stems from Henry Tudor Henry VII uh, and it's not something that England would have quite possibly been used to in their in their monarchs at that point now, that's a very good point now Edwards we know we know he came to the throne at a young age and we'll touch upon that upon that later but for such a young man and I understand this is a changing world it's the new renaissance world he's a renaissance prince did he did he grow up close to to his parents well Henry doted on him but of course at that time they were all raised by what we call nannies nurses they they had their own households that took care of them. And he had teachers from a very early age. He was actually, I found this quote that he was the, um, the first English king to receive intensive education fit for his future role as a king. So he was taught early the different languages in Europe at the time, Latin, Greek, um, by the top teachers in Renaissance England, so he was well trained. And that's that's truly truly fascinating. That England, especially Henry, is starting to come to terms with this new Renaissance world. He's starting to to recognise the need for these skills in a Renaissance queen or king, even. But but what about his mother? Did he grow close? Was he close to his mother? Well, his mother, unfortunately died a few days after he was born. So she never got to receive the accolades that Henry would have wished to give the queen that finally gave him a son. So he lived in the shadow of his mother, probably. And that's, and that's a really tough thing for particularly a Renaissance king or prince to have to deal with, regardless of the fact that if you're raised by wet nurses, or not and it would be interesting to know the effect of that on Edward himself now we've touched on we've touched on what he was like how close he was but what was his early life like what was he doing in this this pre-reign period as Prince Edward well his father died when he was only nine years old so he was brought up under the a, a protectorate, it was called. So he was guided by this group of men, mainly his uncle, um, Somerset. So he, he really didn't have a lot of choices is what I get. He was kind of told what to study, what to do, here's how you're going to be, here's how you're going to believe religiously. So he didn't have a lot of choices on his own. That's, that's particularly interesting because he's had those choices taken away by Henry. And <laughs> again, at a very young age, he's had those choices taken away by the protector, uh, the Duke of Somerset. Now, the Duke of Somerset was the Lord Protector in this was put in place after Henry VIII's death, which everyone can see in the Henry VIII episode of the English and British Monarch series. But how how did 
Edward become king? When Henry died, he was next in line and he was coronated on February 20th of 1547. He was only nine years old and he was so small. They had to make a special crown for him. They had to cut the ceremony short and they also had to remove his spurs. I, I was intrigued to know they wore spurs because you know, I'm a, a Nashville girl. Um, they, <laughs> they had to remove the spurs, his, um, oh, just a second. That's okay, don't worry. I take all these notes and then I can't find what I'm yeah. <laughs> looking for. <laughs> just, just like a history person, isn't it? So 100%. anyway, his, his robe, his ceremonial robe was too long. His crown was so large that they had to actually make a smaller one for him. And they had to remove his spurs so he wouldn't trip over them. So that's how small he was when he became king. Uh, and if anyone's ever dealt with nine-year-olds, you definitely know that that would probably be an incredibly long ceremony for any, any person, yet alone a nine-year-old to sit through. And they're potentially dangerous things to be putting in the hands of a nine-year-old. So you can understand why they've made those judgments. And, and the crown is so heavy as well. That's so true. He's been coronated. He's nine years old. Can you, can you walk us through these several key events in, in Edward's reign at home and abroad? Because England is still a massive, massive player in Europe at this point in time? Well, they were dealing with Scotland. A lot of um, <clears throat> interaction, <clears throat> excuse me. <coughs> a do lot of so, Do you want me to ask the question again for you? Yes, let's yeah, start no. all over. Sorry about that. No, no, don't worry at all. Don't worry at all. And I hate to call it aggression because, um, I, you know, I don't want to get involved in all that. No. <laughs> <laughs> you take your time don't worry we good yes thank awesome you. no don't worry at all don't worry at all so can you walk us through deb the the main key events that happened at home and abroad during edward's reign because it's important to remember in this period england has been a key player in foreign uh, key player in europe and there's been several major events going off at home. We've just had the reign of Henry VIII. We've had the Reformation. We've had the split from Rome. So it's an important time. And Edward's walking into it pretty much blind as a child. So can you walk us through these main events? There were so many things. Um, the number one thing was the war against Scotland. The, that went back and forth. And... Then at home, the main thing he dealt with was the religious issue. He was the first Protestant king of England. So that's pretty monumental because as we know, Henry broke from Rome, but Edward was literally the first true king who served as a Protestant king. He definitely, he's been described as a child Pope king because he is ruling within that system as 
not only the king of England, but the, the head of the English church. Now, what, why were we in conflict with Scotland? <laughs> you were always in conflict with Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it, it was just the ongoing Scottish-English thing. Yeah. <laughs> For lack of a better term. Um, but I do know that when Edward was young, he was engaged for a few days to Mary Queen of Scots when she was just a very, very young baby because Henry VIII was attempting to amend those differences. So he did try, at least. <laughs> and that potentially could have been a very powerful alliance. But as we know that Mary Queen of Scots went off to France and she married the heir or the French Dauphin as I remember correctly, or hopefully correctly. <laughs> so it's a very interesting period for Edward to be walking into. And you mentioned earlier he had a he had a Lord Protector. Who was this Lord Protector within his minority government? But that was his uncle. That would have been Somerset. Duke and just, Somerset. And just how powerful was was Somerset within this minority government? I would think from an American looking in that he was almost all powerful, which is a really good way to make other people angry at you. Yeah, and as, as we know from uh, <laughs> what happened to Somerset, Somerset oh, definitely angered quite a few people within the English political scene. Now, it's a short reign for a very young man, but it was short enough for people to form an opinion of Edward. What do people think of their king, Edward VI? They absolutely loved him, from what I can find. They had waited for this heir for so long, and they thought he was, as you pointed out earlier, a true Renaissance prince and was going to lead England into this new age, which we know eventually his sister Elizabeth did, but they, they, they loved him. And it's, it's really interesting as well that he was given that name of Edward, which is a, a name of some of the greatest kings in English history. So even Henry, by the sounds of that, is even preparing England for that that new golden age, which, like you said, comes in with Elizabeth. Now, you've mentioned one engagement for young Edward with Mary, Queen of Scots. Did he, did he eventually become a husband or a father? No, he didn't. Unfortunately, he, um, he died very young. So no marriage, no engagement. It's kind of a surprise. He became sick, and within six months, he was gone. So they weren't prepared for it, I don't, don't believe. And, and no one ever expects your, your, your king in a minority to die at a young age. They always expect a minority government to not end well, but never in this way. Now, exactly. obviously, he's had a minority government 
uh, and he came of age. But to have a minority government, you need to have a relationship with your barons, your nobles. What kind of relationship did Edward have with these high-profile figures within his government and his court? He, from the notes I read, he seemed to be um, very, again, very analytical. He took things, he was very pragmatic. He saw what they did, felt like he was learning how to do it better. And that seemed to me to be his stance, but I'm, I'm not an expert on Edward VI. That's just me looking in at what I've read about him. And that's, that's completely understandable point to see that, you know, if he's analyzing these, these barons to learn how to do things better, he's actually got a role model for how to be a king and how to be a noble that many kings, as we've seen before in the series, as miners, didn't have those role models and didn't have those good role models like, like Edward had within this point. Now, we've mentioned he got quick. Not got, I'll mention that again. Now, we've mentioned that Edward got sick uh, at, quite a, at quite a young age. Can you, can, you, can you tell us about this illness? It happened very quickly. In January of 1553, it was noted that he came down with a fever that continued to get worse. By April, it had disappeared. By June, they felt like he was completely fine. But suddenly he took ill again and was gone by July, July the 6th. So that's how quickly it happened. That's a very, that's a very quick decline in his condition. Uh, and especially for such a young man who, whilst he has a reputation for being a sickly person, he, he really wasn't. Um, and it's quite, it's quite sad to see such a potential leading light for the English monarchy pass away at such it, a young age. It really is. And he, lately scholars have debunked the, oh, he was a sickly child theory and that they feel like he, he wasn't really any sicker than any other child at that time. But um, it just happened so quickly that, you know, there's still some debate over exactly what it was. Some people think it was TB. Others think it was a form of a bronchial pneumonia that he caught. So um, just like you say, to be so young and for it to happen so quickly, it's just, it's very tragic. It's incredibly tragic, especially for a man who had, whose own mother passed away at a very early time in his life. Now, Henry VIII passed the Act of Supremacy uh, and the Act, and an Act, oh, I'm gonna, I forgot the name of the Act, never mind, I'll start again. So when Henry passed away, he passed an Act, his will, that outlined how his succession would be dictated. And he dictated it would be Edward, Mary, and then Elizabeth. Obviously, it's a difficult situation for Edward with the Reformation. Now, how did Edward navigate this difficult situation when he knew that his, his time was nearly up? Edward came up with his own device for succession and he reverted back to making his own sisters illegitimate. 
as his father had done for a while. And he named Lady Jane Grey as his heir because he wanted what he believed was a true Protestant to sit on the throne of England. And that's navigating those religious issues which have plagued England at that point for the past 40 years. Um, so it's interesting to see that even Edward as a young man has a firm grasp on those on those difficulties that England faces. Now, Deb, <laughs> as we always as we always do in this series, I'm going to ask you to make a judgment on on whether Edward the Sixth was a good or a bad king. You can say that you don't have enough evidence, but I'd like you to make a judgment on if you think Edward the Sixth was a good or bad king. I think he was a child and it's difficult for me to pass judgment on someone that young. So I'm going to have to go neutral on this one. No, no worries. Completely okay. <laughs> Completely okay. It lines up. He had a minority government. He did very little in terms of his own government and reigning. So very pragmatic answer. I like it, Deb. <laughs> So, Thank you. No, no worries at all. I always love a pragmatic answer. Now, if our readers want to go off and learn, or listeners, readers, listeners, and people watching want to go off and learn more about Edward VI, what do you recommend they go and look at? I actually found a list on Goodreads that is probably every book that has ever been written about Edward VI. So if they will just go to the app called Goodreads, and type in Edward VI, you'll see a list of books that will give them maybe 30 books they can find. And it's all history, old books, new books. I, I mean, it's just a great assortment from bestsellers to little known historians. I, I was very impressed by the list that had been compiled. Oh, awesome. Thank you for letting us know about that, Devin. I'll make sure that list is in the description below for all our listeners and watchers to go and have a, a quick look at themselves. And I know Goodreads is an absolutely fantastic app as well. A lot of historians use that. I think you use it as well, don't you, Deb? So um, where I write, I try to stay off of there unless I'm looking for a book, but it is an invaluable source if you're looking, if you're doing research, you can go in there and find a lot of good books and a lot of good recommendations. There we go, guys. We've heard it from Deb. So, <laughs> <laughs> and and if and if people listening to this series want to go and listen to you more and interact with you more, Deb, where can they find you? Oh, thank thank you for that. I have actually started a podcast called All Things Tudor, and it debuted in January, so it is brand new. You can find me personally on all social media as the Deb ATL. You can also join my group called All Things Tutor. Just type that in the Facebook bar. And um, I have small accounts for All Things Tutor on Twitter and Instagram. So please come join me and 24,000 of your other best friends where we do nothing but talk about tutor history. It sounds like a Tudor historian's absolute heaven. It does. And definitely looking at some of the posts coming through, there is some amazing resources on all things Tudor. So I would recommend that. 
And I'll make sure for you guys that all the links to Deb's social medias, everything, so, uh, all things Tudor is in the description below for you guys to go and interact, listen, watch, and learn about all things Tudor. Now, well, thank you. Thank you very much, Deb, for coming on. I really appreciate it and really appreciate spending this time with you talking about Edward the Sixth. It's been great, Jackson. I have learned more from you than I ever imagined I would know about Edward the Sixth. So I appreciate you having me on today. And I appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much. Now, guys, if you enjoyed listening and watching to me and Deb today on the English and British Monarch series, please make sure you like, review, rate on all platforms, any platform that you're listening or watching on. 